0: Hello, Senior Pastor. Uh, This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Amen. Um, We're going to be talking about uh, wisdom from God today. Uh, Wisdom from God. And um, we are, as we always do, we're going to divide it into three sections. uh, Source of true wisdom. Uh, We're going to be looking at Job 28, verse 12 through 28, uh, Proverbs 2, verses uh, 1 through 6, um, Proverbs 9, verses 10, or verse 10, sorry, uh, uh, wisdom for living, Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 18, and Psalm 1, verses 1 through 6, uh, and then finally, uh, goal of true wisdom, uh, Ecclesiastes 7, verse 11 through 12, And Ecclesiastes 12 verses 9 through 14, wisdom from God. And uh, Proverbs 4 verse 7 um, says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. So not only should you get wisdom, but get understanding so that you can understand how to apply Uh, or when to apply the wisdom that you do have. Um, We know that God is the source of true wisdom, and we must pursue godly wisdom. And I'll say that again. God is the source of true wisdom. We must pursue godly wisdom. In Proverbs 9, verse 10, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Uh, Wisdom is a gift from God. Solomon found that out. Uh, He prayed for wisdom. Wisdom is a gift from God. The creation, uh, no, uh, King Solomon was renowned for wisdom and understanding exceeding much, and largeness of heart, First uh, Kings 4, verse 29. Now, in the ancient world, the heart was the center of knowledge and understanding. The heart also acted as one's conscience, which is the seat of moral and ethical thought. Solomon's wisdom was understood as great intelligence, that is, knowledge of the laws and literature of the world around him. It was the integration of heart and mind around the wisdom of God that enabled Solomon to administer justice. In Hebrew wisdom literature, the tree of life is a symbol for the gift of divine wisdom found in Proverbs 3 Verses, verse 13 and verse 18. Now, the creation story tells us that God placed two unique trees in the Garden of Eden. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In Genesis chapter chapter 2, verse 9. The tree of knowledge of good and evil symbolizes life without knowing God. Life without knowing God. Uh, That symbolizes the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The prophet Daniel was filled with the spirit and gifted with illumination, insight, and wisdom that enabled him in the interpretation of dreams, um, explanation of enigmas, which simply means mysteries or something puzzling. And solving of difficult problems. And and you'll find that in Daniel chapter 5, verse 11 through 12. Now, something that's interesting, uh, a Greek philosopher, uh, Socrates, he made this statement about wisdom. He said, the only true wisdom is in knowing you know nothing. And I thought that was quite uh, poignant. Uh, The only true wisdom is in knowing, you know nothing. And it's true, senior pastor. Every time I read the word of God, there is something that I find out that I didn't know. I mean,
1: you, know, mm-hmm. you,
0: you keep reading the Bible and reading the Bible and reading the Bible. And it seems as if every time you read just even one verse, you could read it, you know, 10 different times. And in those 10 different times, something illuminates. Something just just jumps out that was different from the, you know, from before uh, when, you, when you read it. So the Bible is so deep and so wide, and uh, we understand that the source of true wisdom is God. So I'm going to turn it over to you, and you, you're going to start, start us off with source of true
1: wisdom. All right. You said, Pastor, you said all that. Um... It was the integration of heart and mind around the wisdom of God that enabled Solomon to administer justice. And that is so, so true. And I hope we will pay some attention to that. The heart is telling you this. The mind says to do so. But is it in the plan of God? Does it fit in the plan of God, of what God wants you do, And then um, we ended off last week by saying in the epilogue, accepting Christ as Savior and Lord is the wisest decision we can make. Let me say that again. Accepting Christ as Savior and Lord is the wisest decision we can make. But it's just the first step in a life of wise decision-making. Because in order for us to traverse the road, we must continue to yield to His authority and counsel. So that's what you're embarking on this morning. Wisdom comes from God. It's not from anybody else. And remember we said, Wiseman Solomon said that, "The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding or gives understanding." So what's the source of true wisdom? Um, Job said that Who was a righteous man trying to make sense of evil that persists in the world, which God reigns, we said he holds the world in the palm of his hand. Humans seek to understand the world through science, philosophy, literature, and religion. But um, as Job said in his Ascent poem, that the intellect of humanity insists that discovering true wisdom lies far beyond human endeavor. It lies far beyond human endeavor. We're still trying to get a hold of it, and we can only get a hold of it if we are connected to God. Kings think that sometimes they do things that is wise, and it proved their downfall. Presidents, governors, other leaders find out that whatever they were doing that they think, boy, I'm going to pull this off because this is the best thing I could do, and it failed. So let's pay some attention. Now, where wisdom cannot be found. We're going to talk about where wisdom can be found, but where wisdom cannot be found. Job 28, 12 to 22. Verse 12 says, But where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? In verse 13, he says, Man knoweth not the price thereof, neither is it found in the land of the living. Some people are searching, go from place to place, and they still can't find it. The depth saith, It is not in me. The sea saith, It is not with me. Verse 15, It cannot be gotten for gold. Neither shall silver be weighed for the price thereof. In other words, you can't buy wisdom. It comes from God. Now, we find that ancient humans were very adept in various technologies as we see going on. Construction, they could put up the nicest building, shipbuilding, mechanics, and mining. Mining technologies um, that the ancient human use to extract the raw material, copper, tin, gold, silver, iron, gemstone, to construct weapons and machines and buildings. Um, and they celebrate human genius involved in mining. And of course, um, human beings prove to be more ingenious than all the creatures of the earth. But even so, wisdom cannot be discovered in the depth of the earth nor by human ingenuity. You can't find it there. Intellectual endeavors have moved human civilization into the atomic age, space age, digital age as we have now. But even as human knowledge expands at an exponential rate, the discovery of wisdom remains elusive. Yes, we have created a world of technology. But in doing so, we have polluted, even poisoned the planet. For humans have the intellectual capacity to harness the nuclear power. But we do not have the wisdom to avoid war. Build all the weapons that they can, but when it comes, they have not the wisdom to avoid making war against each other. We see something out here now. One of the biggest things is global warming. They have not the wisdom. Look at the pandemic. They had not the wisdom to find a cure for it. They're coming up with this, and they're going to do this, and they're going to do that. Um, I remember that um, they had this and that and cancer. And every time they said, oh, we have find a cure for cancer, they still have not. They still have not. It comes from God. Intellectual endeavors have moved humans to atomic aid, but we cannot find wisdom. And although we have created a world of technology, we still cannot avoid war. The American scientist E.O. Wilson once said, we are drowning in information <laughs> while starving for wisdom. Even so as true. human knowledge about the world increases, Pastor O, humans remain profoundly ignorant about the ways of God because it's past finding out. We can't find it out unless we are in God. He said what he has kept from the wise and prudent he has revealed to the babe and suffering. You and I who are in Christ, who are forgotten, forsaken, we are wiser than that. I think it was Minister Harold Davidson who said that the most miserable person on earth are those who are rich because they don't know what to do. Money can't save them. If money could save them, some people would not die at all. They would find ways, uh, you know, from the pandemic. But money will not save you, but wisdom. The value of wisdom exceeds all the treasures of the earth. It is more than gold, more than silver, more than gemstone. In our day, this day that we're living in, young men and women spend an average, and listen to this, $57,000 and perhaps even more, for a college education. But wisdom is not included in the curriculum. Let me say that again. Spend a lot of money, and I'm not telling people not to. Oh, the sky is the limit, and if we have the opportunity, we should fly as high as we can, um, go to all the school of education and get as much as we can from it. But Wisdom is not taught in the curriculum because wisdom is hidden from the eyes of all living. Amen? King Solomon in his youth pursued wisdom and his kingdom flourished. However, as he gained power and wealth, he forsook the wisdom of God. And as an old man, he declared in much wisdom, there is much grief. <laughs> and increasing knowledge results in increasing pain. And that is true. People get crazy. Um, we had a young guy that was walking downtown Kingston, and I was told that he was one of the most educated persons. But he didn't know what to do with it, and it got the best of him. And he was walking around town, looking up in the, in the skies, and, you know, that he was... He was crazy in his mind. Now, don't get me wrong that I'm saying that we should not pursue this. I think you have heard us from time to time. Say, get as much knowledge as you can. But, my friend, make sure that God is there with you. And use the knowledge in the fear and wisdom of the Lord. All right? Um, Verse 23 where wisdom can be found. So we told you where it cannot be found. Now let's see if we can find where wisdom can be found. Job 28, 23 to to 28. Verse 23. God understandeth the way thereof, and he knoweth the place thereof. And unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. The fear of the Lord is wisdom, and it teaches you to depart from evil. Now, some of these who are wealthy and educated, they create the most problem. You, you watch, look at Hollywood with all the riches and the fame, and they are guilty of murder and other, other crimes, suicide and, and what have you. Thank God today that we have Him. Thank God that we know Him. Thank God that we can worship Him and allow Him to lead us. True wisdom cannot be found in the depths of the earth. We said that. Or in the collective minds of humanity. Only God, and I repeat, only God can see everything under the heavens. In Scripture, to see is to understand. God's Word challenges us to be whole to see, to observe, and to understand. The Lord who understands all things, God can be known only through faith. An old proverb says, experience is the best teacher. Through faith, we encounter God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Through faith, we encounter God. And that encounter is an experience, that teaches us the ways of God. And why? Because the Spirit directs us. We know where to go and where not to go. Sometimes we are going in the path of evil and His Spirit just pulls us back and pulls you back from that accident and pull you back because you see that driver coming down the road and you think that's it. But God is with you. And we know the ways of God. Among the gifts of the Spirit, Our words of wisdom and knowledge. Wisdom is a gift of God. Let me repeat that again. Wisdom is a gift of God that is to be nurtured through prayer, through the study of scriptures, and worship. And that's what we're doing right now. That's what we're doing right now. We are nurturing through prayer, through the study of the scriptures, and through worship. The apostles distinguish between the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. Worldly wisdom is at best foolishness and a worse demonic. Worldly wisdom. Whereas worldly wisdom provokes jealousy and selfish ambition, godly wisdom is pure, peaceable, reasonable, and righteous. We find that in James 3, 6 through 18. Job in um, chapter 28, 28 says, God the wisdom has two components. Number one, the fear of God and resisting evil. The fear of God and resisting evil. So what we're saying this morning is, God is to be feared because God is great, God is triumphant, and God is terrible. Deuteronomy 10:17. Wisdom is required in the proper worship of God. Amen, somebody. Wisdom is required in the proper worship of God. Um, the Spirit teaches us and gives us wisdom as to how to worship God. Wisdom demands that worshippers exercise caution in the house of God, lest they offer the sacrifice of fools. And that's why I have always said to you, and my whole teachers taught me, to be wise when we're worshipping. It's not all the time you're going to jump up and speak in towns and knock down the benches and do all kind of things that people think we are crazy. Sometimes all it needs is just the word of God reaching you and the tears coming from your eyes. So that's what Wiseman Solomon said in Ecclesiastic 5, 1 to 8. Wisdom demands that worshipers exercise caution in the house of God, lest they offer the sacrifice of fools. Now, Wiseman Solomon also gives instruction to the young. Is it to the whole as well? Proverbs two one to six. He says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so thou shalt incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine art to understanding. So listen, hear and apply. Hear and apply. When you go to school or you're learning a trade or something, the teacher teaches you and you must listen and then you must apply whatever you have been taught. And it's the same thing with the Word of God. We need to hear. We need to be good hearers of the Word, not forgetful hearers, but um, hearers of the Word and then we apply them to understanding. Verse 5, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Verse 6, For the Lord giveth wisdom. The Lord giveth wisdom. That's what he gives to us. You have wisdom to do. Remember Solomon? When the um, two ladies with the baby and um, the one one lady slept bad and... Hurt her baby, killed her baby, and took away the other lady's baby. And when the other lady got up and realized what happened, she said, no, that's not my dead baby. She put the dead baby in the lady's bed. They said, no, that's not my baby. And it was brought to Solomon. And Solomon said, okay, through wisdom, he said, bring me a sword. And he says, I'm going to trust this baby. I'm going to kill this baby. And um, the lady who was the rightful owner of the baby said, no, 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 no. Before you kill the baby, give it to the other lady. And through wisdom, Solomon realized that that was her, her child. Thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge. For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Now, the purpose of wisdom is the the, literature is the instruction of young people by experienced elders. In other words, the elders teach the younger ones what to do. Are we listening, young people? We're listening to the elders, and they are giving you wisdom, imparting wisdom to you, because they have been through some things, and they know that it's not good for you. And if you walk that road, it's going to bring you hardship. So we listen. We are in um, mentoring time where the older ones should mentor the younger ones. Um, but are we listening? This requires, this mentoring requires a relationship of mutual love and respect between father and son or mentor and mentee, both seeking the art of God. The transmission of wisdom from one generation to the next is not limited to males father to son, amen, but as contained in the words of King Lemel that were taught to him by his mother, a woman of virtue and honor. So not only father to son, but mother to children as well. And um, I've always said that the child learn when they're in that infancy state, when they're in that young age, is when they learn because they're going to imitate what the parents do. So let's be very careful. Each generation faces challenges of its own. But the wisdom endures through the ages. Proper mentoring is not simple repeating old wisdom, but applying old wisdom to new realities. Come on, those of us who are older now, applying old wisdom to new realities. Because some things that we used to do in our time might not be good for the time. So if we're going to use wisdom, they must apply it to the realities, the things that face our young people. They're going through some things that we never went through, and we need to ask God to direct us as we mentor them, that um, as they face their situation, that the Holy Spirit will direct us and help us to help them. The young are urged to open their ears, and are to Godly wisdom, and to seek it as a treasure. And God will give it to them if you pray. Wisdom comes from the mouth of God. Every part of Scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or inspired another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistake. And let me repeat that, showing us truth. Every part of Scripture Is God breathe and useful one way or another? Showing us truth. Exposing our rebellion. Sometimes we get very rebellious against each other. Rebellious against our leaders. Rebellious against our teachers. But God is showing us truth. Exposing our rebellion. Correcting our mistakes. Training us to live God's way. Training us to live God's way. Wouldn't it Be nice for all of us to live God's way. His ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. And we must live to His standard. God's Word is food for the soul, which satisfies humanity, Humanity humanity's hunger for wisdom. So, what is wisdom? Wisdom is learned by meditating on the Word of God. And what does wisdom do? And I'm going to turn it over to you in a little bit, Pastor O, as soon as I'm finished this segment, and you will take us through to the end. Wisdom leads to human flourishing. Proverbs nine ten says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. What are we saying here? We're saying that God gave humans dominion, To properly cultivate, maintain, and rule the earth, which requires divine wisdom. And that's what he gives to us, dominion to properly cultivate, maintain, and rule the earth. You put the plant in and you must maintain it, you must water it, you must pull the weeds from it, and then leave the rest to God. God gave such wisdom to Adam, who cultivated the garden, signifying judicious horticulture, and named the animals one by one, signifying proper animal husbandry. God has called humans, you and I, to wisely manage all the resources of the earth by caring for the earth. We bequeath our resources so that subsequent generation may thrive. Oh, yes, by carrying the earth. Don't mess up the earth. You know, we scatter things all over and make things worse. And then we said, oh, the world is polluted. We pollute it. But God is calling on us today to manage our resources. And he gives grace to us. John Glenn was the first American to orbit the Earth in space. He's an icon of the space age and a man of faith and science. Returning from his last flight in space at the age of 77, he declared, To look out at this kind of creation and not believe in God is to me impossible. And just, It just strengthens my faith. The Apostle Paul declared, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attribute, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood to what has been made so that they are without excuse. Intellect is God's gift to humans that allows us to discover and explain the world around us. Faith is God's gift that allows us to know God and trust God in those mysteries we cannot understand. All truth, scientific and religious, have source in the knowledge, has a source in the knowledge of God. All truth, scientific and religions, religious, has its source in the knowledge of God. I pray this morning that we will ask God for wisdom. Solomon didn't ask for riches. He asked for wisdom and understanding. And I need for us today to pray to the Lord, to open up our wisdom, our understanding. Give us wisdom to understand the things that need to be understood. Remember, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. May you concentrate on this verse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. All right. We have wisdom for living. Take it away, Pastor. Uh, Thank you, Senior Pastor. Um, Once we
0: understand the source of true wisdom, and of course we understand the source of true wisdom is, is God, once we understand the source of true wisdom, then we need to know how to apply it. So not only do we have wisdom, we also need to get understanding. Um, But one of the things that we need to do first and foremost is to trust in the Lord. Um, Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 10 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the firstfruits of all thine increase. Verse 10, So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Now that word, firstfruits. Um, The Israelites were to give a tenth of all their increase or income from their fields, herds, flocks, and vineyards. They also were to give various offerings as part of their thanksgiving. God had provided for them, and as good stewards, they were to return a portion to him. Right? That's what that word First fruits means in uh, Proverbs 3, verse 9, right? They were to give back a portion of what he had blessed them with. Uh, he, they, they gave it to him um, in thanksgiving and in worship to him, basically thanking him for what he has done or what he had done for them. Uh, to trust in the Lord is to reject self-reliance in favor of God's grace. It is to acknowledge that one's success is not self-made, but God-empowered. Amen. Right? We acknowledge that our success is not self-made, but God-empowered. God empower us to carry out our daily activities, to go to work, to, you know, make the money that we do, or to be able to buy what we need or what we have. Uh, It was God who empowered us to do so. He gave us the intellect, the skill, uh, the ability to do what we need to do in order to be successful. Um, And of course, there are varying degrees of success, but in this instance, it's talking about uh, God's divine providence over our life, that we don't have to live in a state of want, a state of hunger, a state of poverty. But he has given us the ability, uh, many of us who moved to the United States, of course, are, are, we, we migrated here. We are immigrants, and we came here in pursuit of a better life. And for the most part, um, we, you know, we experience that. We experience that success. We are able to uh, purchase a home or, you know, living a de- live in a decent community where we may not have had that opportunity or the opportunities that we have in the United States. We may not have had that uh, from where we came from. So uh, we have been empowered by God to make certain decisions, and to live, um, you know, in accordance to his word uh, and, and understanding his purpose for our life. So that's very important for us to understand. Um, living in the knowledge and wisdom of God is the path to a good and prop- prosperous life. Amen. As we live in the wisdom of God, we discover his ways, lead to a more fruitful and productive life. And uh, basically, when I read this, um, Paul came to mind. He said, whatever state that I'm in, I've learned to be content. Um, And that's the, you know, that's pretty much the model of the modern Christian. We ought to learn to be content in whatever state that we're in. We must learn to be content. We must learn to, to give it all to God and allow his purpose to be fulfilled in our life. Um, Now, in Proverbs 3, verse 10, it says, So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy precious shall burst out with new wine. Um, As a result of honoring God with their stewardship, uh, the Israelites would continue to enjoy harvest from their fields and vineyards there would be sufficient harvest to fill the barns and wine presses. I mean, have we ever, I mean, in my experience, of course, there are times um, in in, in the past, um, even now, there are times when you look at your refrigerator and you wonder how did it get so full? You know, um, it's because of God's provision. God did that. God empowered you to uh, be able to go to your various grocery stores and, and you know, fill your refrigerator. Uh, God did that. God allowed that to happen. Other people don't have that luxury or even that opportunity. But for whatever reason, God, in his infinite wisdom, has allowed you, has allowed me to experience abundance. And for that, we ought to give him all the praise and all the glory. Um, now, in wisdom for living, we ought to also understand that we must learn discipline. Why? Because discipline leads to discipleship. And in Proverbs 3, verse uh, 11 through 13, we find um, Solomon saying here, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, correct correct even as a father the son in whom he delighteth happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding now the wise person understands that even as we live according to the ways of god sometimes life involves suffering
1: suffering Mm -hmm. which
0: should be understood as the chastening of the Lord. So, even though for some of us, even though we live in the United States, we do go through um, times of suffering. We do go through times of need, and uh, here the lesson is, is reminding us that sometimes life involves suffering, and we must understand um, that is that it is the chastening of the Lord. Sometimes suffering is a consequence of sin. Of course, we understand that. But God caused the people of Israel to wander through the wilderness for 40 years because of their rebellion. But it is a mistake to assume that all suffering issues from sinful behavior. The story of Job reminds us that even the righteous suffer, Yes, and that human suffering has a redemptive purpose um in in my experience i found that when i've gone through a a season of suffering it is to strengthen my faith and not only to strengthen my faith but i have now something else to testify about and that testimony could help someone else so it's important for us to understand that it's you know uh, suffering is not necessarily a consequence of sin all the time but that um you know, even the righteous suffer. And we saw that um, in, you know, when we looked um, in the life of Job. Um, In agreement with Proverbs 3, verse 12, the writer of Hebrews acknowledges the sorrowful aspects of suffering, but insists that suffering should be understood as the discipline of a loving father, God, because it trains faith and produces holiness and righteousness. Living by godly wisdom leads to a longer, richer, and more peaceful life than one can know otherwise. Um, And I can attest to that. That is so true. Living by godly wisdom leads to a longer, richer, and more peaceful life. Um, You are at peace with God's decision. Um, You are accepting of what God is doing in your life because you understand that he is in control. And once you give everything to him, then it all just makes sense. It really makes sense. You live a more peaceful life. You live a happier life. You find yourself um, more happy, more joyful, because you understand that this may be for a season. And if it's not for a season, then God is, for whatever reason, working things out uh, for his glory. And he's doing it through your life. Uh, so in other words, he's using your life as a living testimony
1: Amen. to glorify
0: Amen. him. And that should, be, um, a, 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 that should be honor. We should find honor. In the fact that God is using us, using our circumstances, using our troubles, using our trials, using our tribulation, using our suffering for his glory. Amen. And that should be a wonderful comfort to all of those uh, that right now are experiencing experiencing some level of suffering. Psalm 1, verse 1 through 6. shall prosper. Now, those who delight in the knowledge of God will be blessed and experience success. That's a declarative statement. Those who delight in the knowledge of God will be blessed and experience success. To delight in God is to properly position oneself. Let me say that again for those who are just waking up.
1: To delight
0: in God is to properly position oneself, meaning walking, standing, and sitting in the presence of God. This means avoiding association with the wicked, the sinners, and the scoffers, right? We need to be separate. We need to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people set apart the master's use. So we can't associate ourselves with certain things. We, certain, we can't associate ourselves with certain, the certain elements of the world. We have to be separate and apart, ready for, for, for the master's work and the master's use. Uh, he's using us to glorify him. So we must always be ready. And in order to be ready, we need to walk we need to stand, we need to sit in the presence of God. Hopefully all those that are listening are getting that. There needs to be an element, uh, there needs to be a position that we take, a posture that we take um, walking and standing and sitting in the presence of God. And in in doing so, we cannot associate ourselves with certain elements um, of the world. Now, the psalmist draws a sharp distinction In Psalm 1, between the blessed person and the wicked, whereas the righteous person thrives in the presence of God and is known by God, the wicked suffers the fate of those unknown by God. Whereas the righteous are firmly planted, the wicked are chaff, meaning uh, lightweight agricultural waste driven away by the wind those who build their lives on the strong foundation of God's word will survive the storms of life. What an encouragement to us, Mm. right? That if, (laughs) if you build your life on the strong foundation of God's word, you will survive the storms of life. Amen. You will. You will come through. You will make it. You will survive. There's nothing too hard nothing too difficult, nothing too puzzling, nothing too strange to God. He's seen it all. He knows it all. And all we have to do is build our life on his foundation, right, the foundation of his word, and we will survive. Amen. Amen. We will survive. Uh, Psalm 1 verse 6 says, For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. He knows you. He sees you. He sees your commitment. He sees your sacrifice. He knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. I don't want to be um, considered ungodly. I want to be on the right side. (laughs) I want to be on the right side. I want God to know me. I want the Lord to know me. I want him to see my sacrifices. I want him to see the things that I have been doing, um, and that He would be, He will be well pleased with what I'm doing, and the, and the things that I'm trying to accomplish for His kingdom. And I'm pretty sure that there are many people that can attest to that. That all of the sacrifice, everything that you have done, all the years, all the commitment, uh, you know, all the prayers, all the worship, it's not going to be in vain. You will survive the storm. You will survive the storm. Amen. What a wonderful, wonderful testament to us today that we will survive the storms of life. Senior Pastor, do you want to uh, talk a little bit about a
1: goal of true wisdom? Yes. And uh, there is a goal and we are all in life we are all trying to pursue a goal. What is your goal in life? Um, In Christendom, the goal of true wisdom. If wisdom comes from God, then we must pursue that goal to have true wisdom. And um, Solomon here says, it's an inheritance of life. So wisdom comes with an inheritance. And by it there is profit to them that see the sun. For... Wisdom is a defense, and money is a defense. Wisdom is a defense. Money is a defense. But the excellency of knowledge is that wisdom giveth life to them that have it. Do you have life today? Do you have wisdom? Throughout the Old Testament, the scripture here was referring to the writer, referring to the promised land that we talk about, the children of Israel was going to the promised land and we are waiting to go to our promised land. So what was he suggesting here? The writer was suggesting that a good life, a good life requires more than the promised land, requires more than wealth. So, the call today is for those who lack wisdom that they are impervious. The text corresponds with the words of the law repeated by Jesus. And hear what Jesus said. Man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that comes out that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Matthew 4, 4 and Deuteronomy 8, 3. Material wealth, and can I say that again? Material wealth can provide what is necessary for human survival. But the words of divine wisdom are necessary for human flourishing. Yes, you can survive, but wisdom allows you Flourish, And that's why we have that scripture in Psalm 1, that the righteous will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, which bringeth forth its fruit in its season. What fruit are we bringing? Wisdom more than wealth is a defense against all things that threaten the blessed life. (laughs) Yeah, money can't do that, but wisdom can. Humanity. Exiled from the garden of God must find a way to survive in a hostile environment in which death is a constant companion. The generation of Israel suffered the oppression of the Egyptian bondage. They wandered through the barrenness of the wilderness, and even the promised land contained threats. But through it all, it was words of divine wisdom that sustained the people and offered a flourishing way. Oh, yes. How is wisdom better than money, my friend? Because wisdom comes from God. And chapter 12, 11 says, The words of the wise are as goads and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. And further, by these, My son will be admonished of making many books there with no hand. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. But here, how we conclude this. And what we're going to conclude this lesson today. Let us hear the conclusion of the old matter. And this is one of the preacher's pet phrase. Let us hear the conclusion of the old matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments. For this is the old duty of man. The duty of man is to fear God and to keep his commandment. Remember the Ten Commandments. Remember to keep the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. The book of Ecclesiastes was written by an old man looking back on a long life with a wide range of experiences. As he looks back, he also looks forward. As he looks back, he also looks forward death. The Hebrew words translated as conclusion may also be translated as end. Solomon here is contemplating his own death and struggles to find the meaning of life. He has discovered that power listen children he has discovered that power, pleasure and wealth do not enrich the human experience of all the education that you can have, of all the wealth that you can have, of all the riches, the money that you can have, of all the houses, of all the the land, the cars, everything, and life will still not be worth it. Life has been futile, live in vain. That's how Solomon saw it. There must be something, Oh, praise God. There must be something more, something that endures beyond the grave. There, let me repeat that because I'm, I'm so stirred up by that. There must be something more, something more than riches, something more than gold, something more than what wealth has to offer that endures beyond the grave. And I suggest to you that that thing is having Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, having him. Remember I said earlier that the last thing we said last week was accepting Christ as Savior and Lord is the wisest decision we can make. And if you're listening to me today, and you might have what it takes, oh yes, you can get in a nice car, you can live in a nice house, you have good education, you have money in the bank, but the wisest decision you can make is to accept Christ as lord and savior and continue to heal to God oh yes there must be something let me go back to that there must be something that is better than what we have something that endures beyond the grave and we have it children we have salvation We have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The only thing that endures beyond the grave is God. Therefore, it is the word of God. It is the word of God. Say it with me, children. It is the word of God. Divine words of wisdom. That is the spark of life. Sing them over again to me. Wonderful words of life. In verse 11, he he says, the inspired words of God are like gold to prod us and to nail to anchor us. We are anchored in Jesus by the words of God. We have assurance, blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. The reference to one shepherd confirms the fact that the teaching of Solomon is God given. So my friend, Life has meaning only if live with God and according to the will of God. We see those again and we pray for them that they will be saved. They have what it is. Remember, if you look in St. Luke, the rich man and Lazarus, they call him diabetes, but the Bible didn't say that. The rich man and Lazarus, he had everything, everything in life, purpose fine linen, oh yes, and uh, Lazarus, the sore foot beggar, who didn't have anything, the only friend he had was the dogs, who came and licked his sore to give him a break, to give him a little peace, to give him a little contentment, and he was at the man's gate, waiting for the crumbs to fall, and oh, you call the police officers and take him away, he didn't want him, but the time came, as the Bible said, that he died and he was buried. And Lazarus also died, for we must all die. is appointed unto man once to die. But after this comes the judgment. Lazarus died, but instead of being buried, he was carried by angels into Father Abraham's bosom. And as the story goes on, as the scripture tells us, that in hell, The rich man lifted up his eyes and saw Lazarus contented in Father Abraham's bosom. And he started to pray. And he says, Oh, I pray you, send Lazarus to dip his finger into water to cool my thirst, to quench my thirst. For it is hot down here and I'm tormented. Oh, yes, my friend, but um, oh, yes. Abraham said, not so. It is too late. You had your chance. Then he prayed one more prayer. Send send him. Send the beggar. Send the sore foot beggar to my brethren and tell them not to come down here because it is hot down here. My friends, we have a chance now. We have a chance. Make it right. God's word is not merely letters and paper. It's alive. Believe and draw near. For it it longs to dance in your heart and whisper to you in the night. Let me say that again. Lisa said that. God's word is not merely letters on paper. It's alive. Believe and draw near. Draw near in full assurance of, of faith. For it longs to dance in your heart and whisper to you in the night. My friends, let's get wisdom. The Apostle Paul referred to Jesus Christ as the wisdom of God and wisdom from God. John declares that Jesus is the word with God, the word who is God, and the word who became flesh. Jesus is the personification of the word of God and the wisdom of God. Jesus' words are essential to human life and flourishing. Christians are called to live According to his commandment. As the wisdom of God is the word of God, Jesus, I said, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me, says Jesus. Jesus' words are bread that sustain life. Jesus is the word of God who redeems humanity from the darkness of death. Jesus is the source of abundant life and eternal life. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the living one who has defeated death forever. Without Christ, death makes life a futile endeavor. Life with Christ gives life eternal meaning. Oh, yes, my friend. Believe in God today. Look to the end. Oh, yes, look to the end. Look to the end. Where will your soul be? Where will your soul stand? Eternity. Christ in you. The hope of glory. If you have not Christ, you have nothing. And you're going to lose out on the final day. Will he say, depart from me, I know you not? Or will he say, come, be blessed of my father. Inherit what I have prepared for you. Let not your heart be troubled, he said. He believed in God. Believe also in me in my father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you so. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and receive unto myself that where I am, there he may be also. May God bless you today. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he give you peace. Oh, yes. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.
0: Amen. Amen. Senior pastor, there's something that you said that really stuck with me.
1: Um,
0: And it was talking about in verse 11, uh, he says, The inspired words of God are like goads to prod us and nails to anchor us. And um, this is something I think we need to pay attention to as Christians is that we're not fully anchored. We are not fully anchored in the Word of God. We are not fully anchored in the Word of God. Uh, K.M. Logan, who is the author of Counting It Joy, a study of James 1, verse 2 through 8, says, For us to endure our times of trying. We must ask for wisdom. And in order for us to attain wisdom, we must go to God having faith and expecting it, even if it feels like we have been completely abandoned. And Amen. Uh, senior pastor, we, we want to pray for those who feel completely abandoned. They may have been praying, um, asking for wisdom, Uh, trying to attain wisdom, going to God, expecting his answer, having faith, doing all the things that they have heard to do. Um, They've prayed. They've read their scripture. I mean, we we know the drill. Uh, Many of us who have been Christians for a long time, we know the drill. We know what to do. We know how to say our prayers. We know know, uh, which scripture to read for the appropriate occasion or situation and there are those that have done all of that and they still feel completely abandoned. They feel as if God is not there for them and they just want an answer from the Lord. If you can, just say a prayer for those who feel completely abandoned at this time in their life.
1: Praise God. Let's just bow our heads right where we are. Close our eyes. Look to Jesus. There is nothing in us except what we say from him that can help you. But there is enough in his words to help you. And if you feel suicidal this morning, we want to point you to the way of Jesus. If you feel forgotten, you feel lost, you feel down, you feel weary, you feel sad, you feel brokenhearted. We point you to the way of Jesus. Remember what John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, hallelujah. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have. Everlasting life, and I'd like for those of you who have your heads bowed and your eyes closed, those who are saved, you know of somebody, a relative, a friend, an enemy, next door neighbor that has not yet have their stakes in God, have not yet accepted Him as Lord and Savior. Won't you just call up their name this morning? Won't you just take them to the Lord? I need the prayers of those I love. That's our responsibility. Is to be a tree planted. Is to be the tree of life. With its fruits available to those hungry for God. Jesus declared, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Let us pray this morning. Heavenly Father and our God, we come to you once again. We have prayed many prayers, but we pray that this prayer today will come up to you as a memorial. We know that the enemy is always trying to stop the plan of God. But you said, David said, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law that he meditate day and night. Help us, Lord, that we shall be like trees planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in its season. Help us that our leaves shall not wither, Help us that whatever we do, it shall prosper. Lord, we pray today for those who have not yet known thee, for those who feel down, those who feel sad, those who feel that life is not worth it. But I pray your spirit right now will speak to their heart. Help them to be reminded that life has meaning only if live with God and according to the will of God. Help them to realize today that the word of God is the source of life. And we can only flourish in life if we have faith in you. Oh God, we pray today that people will realize in spite of what is happening, in spite of what we see around us, in spite of what we experience, that it's not over until it's over. Oh, somebody says it's not over until the fat lady sings. Oh, God, we actually entreat of you today that you will save to the utmost. Oh, God, those who need you need to acknowledge thee as Lord and Savior. We pray for them today that they will be saved, that they will escape the burning fires of hell. Oh, God, you died that they might be set free. You died that they might come home and live with you in heaven, that place that you have gone to prepare for us. And those of us who know you, Lord, who have acknowledged you, who have lifted up your name, you said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men. Some of us get weary sometimes. We feel like life is not worth it. We have our struggles like anybody else. Financial. Sickness. Oh, God. But we pray today that as we traverse life, journey, that we will realize that we are not alone. But we ask that you will hold our hand. Hold us, Jesus. Sustain us. Help us not to fall. Oh, God, we have been unwise in some decisions that we have made in the past. But we pray that wisdom, divine wisdom, will be given unto us today. Help us, Lord. Oh, we feel, some people feel guilty of their past. But you look not on our past. You look at present and future and help us to look to the future that we want to come and live and reign with you. Have mercy today, Lord, we pray and help us to hear the conclusion of the whole matter that we must fear God and keep his commandment. Thank you today for being the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you for being the bread that sustains life Thank you for being the Word of God who redeemed us from the darkness of death and you are the source of our abundant life and you give to us eternal life. Thank you for being the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the living one who has defeated death. Oh, God, we pray today that you will keep us from the evils of this world. We pray for our president, his wife, and those who have the COVID-19, those who are suffering, we pray, Lord, we pray for all those in government, those who are running for our office, that you will give them wisdom, wisdom to help your children. Sometimes they're running, and as they get in office, it's only about them and the power and the fame and the money that they can get. But God, we pray, that this election will be a turnaround election. Oh, God, and we entreat you, we ask of you today that you will give direction as we get ready to cast our vote, Lord. Help us that we will consult you first and that you will direct us as you want to direct the affairs of man. Bless us today. Bless every one of our members today. Every one of our ministers today, those who are in college, oh, those who are home, those who are in sickness and ill health, oh, God, those who are sad this morning, those who are tired this morning, those who are weary this morning, we pray that you will have mercy. Thank you for hearing us today. And for the rest of today, into the week, and into the month, and for the rest of this year, And until you come and call for us, may we praise your name. We thank you today. We thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.